Today we're going to talk about how to make a bad thing not such a bad thing. Recessions. Slow job markets. You can't hem and haw about it. A recession is here. The pandemic of COVID-19 has brought a lot of economic activity to a halt and unfortunately right in time for graduation. So what will you do? How will you get through it? We'll examine some lessons learned by job seekers during the last great recession just 12 years ago while also looking at some modern day tips for how to job search when opportunities may appear to be drying up and your ability to travel and meet face-to-face is limited. To help me out, I've enlisted three great minds. We'll hear from someone who braved the recession in one of the most competitive industries and cities in the country, working in entertainment in LA, all while the economy took a big dive. So it was not an ideal time to be looking between the economic hiring freezes, the agency causing kind of rift in town. So. Needless to say, there was not a lot of success early on. Then you'll hear a familiar face. Hi, I'm Tiffany Sparing. I'm the Director of Career Services at CCAD. I've worked with CCAD since 2013, but I've been in career counseling and in art and design setting since 2007. Hey, we're 40 episodes in, so we're well overdue for a Tiffany appearance and right on time with some key tips for navigating a shifting recruiting climate. You'll hear from her throughout the episode with direct tips on what you should be doing. And we're bringing in the finance guy. Tom Dotson is the Associate Vice President for Finance and Administration, whose experience in helping strategize the financial well-being of businesses gives him a good perspective on understanding how companies make specific reactions to broad economic changes. People who are creative, who are problem solvers and can think, I tend to believe we're gonna be pretty successful even as the world changes around us. It's all ahead on First You Hustle. Hey everyone, I'm Jordan Bell. We put together this episode looking at three distinct perspectives, that of a job seeker's experience during the last big recession, direct advice for you on how to navigate this current recession, and some higher level context for what a recession is. That last bit might help you understand the flexibility of the economy. When things are down, they do come back up. You know, I graduated in 2009, right in the middle of what at the time was called the worst recession our country had seen since the Great Depression. Personally, I weathered much of that in graduate school, so my own experience isn't super helpful here. So I turned to look at my peers that were in my major, which was media arts and studies, basically film and television production, to help me out. So naturally, many of my friends ventured out to Los Angeles to find work in the entertainment industry. I stayed back in the East since my career interests were in education, and I can't think of a better example of tough job searching than one that takes place in one of the most competitive cities in the country and in one of the most competitive industries in the world, that is Los Angeles and the entertainment industry. And you'll hear from Colin Studebaker. He works in a major network developing new series. Forget what you see in the movies about Hollywood executives. He isn't cutthroat. He doesn't cut corners or play dirty. He's just like you. He's great company. He enjoys life. He'd be fun to hang out with if you knew him. His specialty is that he is dedicated. He knows what he wants and he pursues it amicably. I just needed to say that. This dude didn't have to go all Walter White to get his job. He is just focused and committed. So when I graduated in 2009, um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, we both decided to graduate early, a quarter early, because we figured we, we, we were excited. We'd be in Los Angeles before all the other grads moved out there. We'd get our jobs. It would be a fantastic. And needless to say, we moved out in April and we both did not get full-time jobs until... I think it was September and October for September for me and October for her. So um, our our grand ideas of getting a jump on it did not really work out. 
in specifically in California at the time, there was a, a little bit of an industry shift where two of the large talent agencies were merging and creating kind of one mega agency, which in turn caused a lot of people to kind of be on a hiring freeze, a lot of um, qualified people that were a year or two ahead of me to be jobless. So it was not an ideal time to be looking between the economic hiring freezes, the agency causing kind of rift in town. So needless to say, there was not a lot of success early on when looking for work. We talk about a recession. Typically, we're talking about a measure of you know, the economy typically used as gross domestic product, right? So it's just the the sum total of all the things that a country kind of makes in its economy. This again is Tom Dotson, Associate Vice President for Finance and Administration at CCAD. And it's a it factors in, you know, consumption of goods and services, um, investment. And when we talk about investment, it's not the purchase and sale of like, you know, uh, financial assets. It's really about you know, building a factory or investing in new equipment or technology, you know, physical things to actually produce goods and services. Uh, you have government spending and then you also have the exports of a, of a country um, and that's offset by imports into the country. And, you know, so that's just basically it's a math equation. Right. And so anyway, that's GDP. Um, and so that's what we use to measure what an economy is. And so what you'll hear in the media is that you know, a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, right? So if the whole economy of the United States is worth $10 and then it shrank to $9 and then $8 over, you know, two calendar quarters, so six months, um, you'd call that a recession. Uh, some countries, you know, when they say, oh, yeah, we're in recession, that's what they use um, as that barometer. In the United States, we actually have an organization called the National Bureau of Economic Research that has a business cycle dating committee. They actually date the beginning of an end of a recession. And their approach is, has a much broader definition about what a recession is. And it includes basically a broad decline over a period lasting more than a few months where the impact is visible across multiple measures. So, you know, inflation-adjusted GDP, uh, household incomes, industrial production, and so on and so forth. And so it has a, it's more comprehensive, and I think it's a little bit more of a real definition of what a recession is, right? Because if you asked an average person on the street, you know, if GDP went down, they'd be like, eh, okay, I don't know what that means. But if you said the economy's contracting, you know, you know, people who may have gotten laid off or, you know, that the business you work for is struggling and so on and so forth, you know, then it becomes a little bit more re real and you can actually conceive, you know, what that means. So when we talk about a recession, that's the kind of lens that I like to point people towards is in the U.S. We actually have a committee who does this um, and they have a pretty broad definition about what that this means. Is definitely not a typical hiring climate. So any job seeker, any candidate is going to have to look at their job search from a variety of angles. So it might be the year to consider plans B and C as you're job searching. We still want you to aim high. We still want you to consider your ideal companies and your ideal circumstances, um, but it might be time to think a little bit outside of the box and consider industries that are poised to do really well 
despite the crisis. And so what did you do once you, you saw that there was this freeze going on and you were kind of being pushed further and further down the, the qualification ladder? You know, if people with one or two years of experience are kind of also looking for the same jobs, did it work out that it was like, this is a dream job? Like I, I, I ended up finding the diamond in the rough or did you have to make some concessions and change your, your plans? After graduation, when I moved out to California, I had lined up a part-time position at one of the Apple stores, and I found a two post-grad internships, which I don't even know if you can do anymore, because I interned in the days of free internships. Um, and so that helped kind of broaden my kind of reach in terms of who I was connected to. So that's how I was able to kind of take the little bit I made from the Apple store to kind of float my frozen pizza and Mm -hmm. cheap beer lifestyle at the time. I worked there on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then interned Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Another tip I have is to be flexible and to keep in mind that circumstances can change rapidly and the job market will continue to shift. Keep in mind also that in a typical hiring process, it may take three to six months from the time you start to begin a new position. So in other words, three to six months from the time you start job searching before you actually get an offer and start at your new job. Consider that it might take you an entire day to put a resume together from scratch. It might take several days for you to build a target employer list. It might take you weeks to set up networking appointments. It might take you weeks also to put in applications and to do your due diligence and following up with those organizations. Make sure you're using some some sort of system to keep yourself organized. I always recommend a spreadsheet so that you can create columns, take notes, make sure you're following up, and then focus on things you can control. This is certainly an uncertain time in hiring, but you can focus on the actions that you're able to take. So assign yourself weekly activities, sign into LinkedIn daily, make sure you're posting regularly and engaging with your connections. In terms of actual work, I was very fortunate that the first full-time position that offered me a job was one that I liked and I wanted. Um, I had done, I mean, five months of interviews leading up to it. A lot of them were for positions that ultimately I don't think would have been right for me. There was one interview that I had for a very small company that was run out of the converted garage of the owner that I had a really good feeling after the interview that it went really well. And I really did not think it was the right place for me. And when he called to offer a second interview, I had to politely decline, which was crazy because I was unemployed for four and a half months at that point and really was not in a position to turn down work. But I was worried if I took that job, it would cause me to a year later be in the exact same spot that I was then. Ultimately, that worked out for me because a week after I turned down the second interview, I got my interview for where I work now. What's interesting when you think about where we're at today with the COVID-19 pandemic is 
you know, there's this concept in economics called monetary velocity. And it's just how quickly does basically cash flow through the system and, and turn over. So, you know, if we if you and I were on an island and we had a $20 bill and I paid you $20 for some coconuts and then you came back and said, I want you to crack open my coconuts and you passed the you know $20 back to me and then we paid somebody else. It, it has velocity, right? Through our little island economy, things work. I think when, when economists go back and study this period, they'll find that velocity has really come to a screeching halt. And it's really illustrative to all of us that we aren't going out to a restaurant and, you know, paying for, for our meal and tipping our, you know, our server and he, he or she isn't going out and getting a haircut and so on and, and, you know, consuming services elsewhere in the economy. And that cycle, you know, it's, it's virtuous in the sense that everybody's employed and things are working, but when it stops functioning, it's really, really disruptive. And I think that's what's really interesting about the period that we're in today is that things have just come to a screeching halt, you know, in favor of protecting health. Yeah, and I think that is a, a key concept in understanding why it can feel like some things can feel normal, like, oh, we're just we're quarantining, but people still have money to spend, but they're hesitant to spend it. And so that velocity goes down because the island example you talked about, it's only 20 physical dollars, but... You talked about 40 or $60 of economic activity when it goes back and forth and back and forth. And that's where the kind of recession behavior lies is when it stops moving. Is that, is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, that's basically, it's basically the concept exactly is, um, I mean, if we, if we think about businesses as an example, right, no business will save enough cash, you know, in reserves to fund payroll for 10 years. Um, that's just not how, how it works. Right. And a lot of them have, you know, to fund what's known as working capital. So it's your payroll and it's your inventory and those types of things. You know, they'll rely on bank financing for that. It's short term. You know, you might borrow, you know, I don't know, $75,000 this month. And then you have some projects that come in or, or sales ramp up and then you pay that off. Right. And it's just this sort of kind of blood circulating through the system. And that's how it works. And again, when it works, when you're exchanging that $20 bill on the island, um, everything's fine. But when it stops, that's when you get major dislocations. So when I talk to our interns and give them advice for looking for work, I say you can't be picky because in short, you're a nobody and there's a lot of other people with the same experience as you. But on the other hand, you need to look out for yourself and you need to look at the job that you're interviewing for and think, can you draw a line from that job to where you want to be eventually. And I, I give the example of this one place I'd interviewed where it was a small company run out of the owner's garage. Another one is I'd interviewed for a, to be an assistant in the post-production department at Lionsgate in the special features division. And they wanted a commitment of two years. And not only was special features, not something I was interested in doing. I wasn't interested in doing it for two years. Honestly, in today's world, I don't even know if that department even exists because I don't even know if special features is a thing. Mm -hmm. So I looked at some of these jobs as like, I took the interview, but if I couldn't figure out where it would lead me, um, I, I it wasn't necessarily the best position for me. Um, most of those were not my choice though. And I didn't get a second interview anyway. So they made the decision for me and I didn't have to worry about it. So I always tell interns apply to everything, get the interview, and then you can suss it out from there. 
best case scenario is you proceed down the path of a job there and it's not the right one for you and you get to make the choice, but you never know when the right job is going to come forward. It's really important um, to network um, and not like in a self-serving way, but like keep up with your peers. And, you know, if you're on LinkedIn or other social media, like reach out to people and just say, I, I want to talk to you about your career. I want to talk to you about what it is that you do because I find what you do really interesting. So it's not enough to just have a static profile, but it's important to post content, comment on posts, engage with people, share items that are relevant to your industry. And the whole idea is here for you to remain visible to people that might be in a position to hire you or to refer you to somebody else in the industry. So be sure you're taking the time to structure your profile for the roles that you want. And keep in mind that as you're posting content and you're engaging with your contents, that the candidates who remain visible, the candidates who come to mind first are the ones that are going to get hired. What I found successful in my own career is, you know, if you're a good human being in terms of networking and you do it out of a, a place of authenticity and curiosity, you know, people will make the time for you. If you're knocking on doors saying, hey, do you got a job for me? People are, you know, you're, you're easy to ignore. Don't just apply online. Make sure you're talking to your classmates, your faculty, CCAD alumni, your family and your friends. Let them know your job searching and let them know what your interests include. It's also a really good time to reconnect with previous colleagues from any internships that you've done, any other part-time work, volunteer opportunities. So really take your time, go on LinkedIn, I would say daily, and um, really get comfortable using it and finding people who work at employers of interest. I would also use LinkedIn and Twitter both to follow companies of interest. And you'll learn by following them, you'll learn more about their needs to help shape, shape your application and ultimately your interview responses. You can follow the hashtag recruiter Twitter for job searching insights from recruiters. When I ultimately got hired in my first job, it was a position that was it was to work in a casting office as an assistant at a major network. And I had no casting experience. And when I got the interview, I got it because one of my internships knew the executive I would be working for. And when I sat down for the interview, the person I interviewed with said, you're not qualified for this position. And I am doing this interview as a favor. And at the end of the interview, she said, you're absolutely not qualified, but I like you and I want you to come back and meet everybody. And kind of after the fact, what I realized is they had been looking for qualified candidates for a month and they exhausted their options of people that they felt were qualified. And I kind of interviewed for the position at the exact time that they were willing to settle for someone who didn't know what they were doing. And I think what she saw out of me was he's young, enthusiastic, and I can make him whatever assistant I need to make him. And I can be a ball of Play-Doh that can just follow directions and do what they need done so what's interesting is that position wasn't available two months earlier. It's not like if I had worked harder, I could have interviewed for it two months ago and gotten the job two months earlier. Or had I interviewed two weeks ago, I would have been immediately ignored because they were at the point of interviewing people who were way more qualified than I was. Mm -hmm. So I, in a way, stumbled into the position with um, a mix of right timing and right attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's no way to know when the right time is. 
it's kind of happenstance. So just by putting yourself out there constantly, you're more likely to get yourself in that scenario. You can't really time it up yourself. So some of the companies that are poised to do really well are those that are focused on remote work, such as Zoom and Microsoft Teams are thriving. So support companies for these products, such as advertising, may also be doing well currently. So any of the big tech companies, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, LinkedIn, they're large enough to weather the storm of the current crisis. They've adapted quickly to employees working remotely. A lot of their interviews and onboarding are remote. Some of the companies that are supporting remote work, such as Slack and Basecamp, online learning companies, sites used for homeschooling, OutSchool is hiring a lot of teachers currently. So think about industries that are considered essential businesses, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, biotech, government, grocery chains, delivery. So at CCAD, our students are looking toward art and design careers. So think about those big companies, those big industries that are thriving during the pandemic and how your skill set might fit in with those. People who are creative, who are problem solvers um, and can think, um, I tend to believe we're going to be pretty successful um, even as the world changes around us um, and we apply more technology to you know, these, these roles that we used to assume required skills, but we're now finding that technology can, can replace. I think what's really interesting for, you know, students here at CCAD um, and going forward is that you know, one, you know, we still have a wave of retirements in our future in terms of, you know, these baby boomer generation that, you know, they're getting to retirement age or they're at retirement age. The folks who are going to be stepping in to fill those roles, there's just not enough of them. I think where you're going to see a lot of companies saying, well, you know, where can we be more productive? It's really in the skill sets like mine, where it's like I can use, you know, artificial intelligence and robotic process um, automation to take care of like transactional basic financial accounting type things five ten years from now those roles just aren't going to exist and lots of companies are already doing this but you can't say the same thing about creative people and so i think that's where i'm you know very excited to see where our students can take their careers Okay, so my first tip for students and alumni that might be searching for a job is to schedule a career advising appointment if you haven't done so already. So our current capacity is um, to schedule as many appointments, as many sessions as a student or an alum may need. This can be a really great way to start your conversation and get your thoughts together. I wanted to also give a big shout out to seniors who have already scheduled. I think that for with everybody that I've been meeting with so far, they have been demonstrating extraordinary patience with the process and resilience. And I've learned as much from them about resources as they've learned from me. Make sure you're doing your research on the employer and the position of interest, and then focus on well-being as well. A good time to build in breaks, go for a walk, read a book, Taking care of yourself is important as part of the job search process. 
And last thing, get ready for virtual engagements. Interviews, work itself, networking, all of it is likely to shift online for the foreseeable future and maybe even beyond. As companies realize they can productively do things online, you'll see some things go virtual and stay there. Some companies are already looking at long-term plans for having work from home options or shifting more of their recruiting efforts online. So clean up your room or at least one corner of it so you can do those Skype interviews. But more than anything, be present in your job search. The more you work to take control of your search, the more in control you will be. Career Services is here to help with that, as are the people in your network. So in addition to using us, use your mentors and peers to strengthen that support network. Do what you do best. Start to think creatively about how you can be creative in the world. Let us know how we can help. That's it for this episode. Thank you as always for tuning in. And you'll particularly find our past episodes on networking, making connections, maintaining connections, how to structure your job search are all great compliments to this episode. So go back in our library and take a listen if you haven't already. And take care. theme is Jimmy H. Puglu by the Juanitos. Other music in the episode provided by Poddington Bear, both Creative Commons licensed from the Free Music Archive.